Welcome to Ride Along Chronicles. I'm Vicki. I'm Tina. And I'm Sally. We are three great friends who created our own support system as we raise our families in the challenging first responder lifestyle. Our confidential guests will share their stories in this safe space that didn't exist for us. So ride along with us as we chronicle lessons learned and provide helpful resources to keep Leo families in the front seat. Ladies, this is going to be a very good episode for us today. We <laughs> have a special guest that I'm going to introduce in just a moment, and she is going to touch on a topic that I have no doubt has impacted every single one of us mm -hmm. in this room. I think we've and had conversations. Yes, we have. <laughs> and really anybody yeah. um, out there in the real world, right? Um, but we're going to talk about finances and we're going yeah yeah the other <laughs> f word right um and you know i i i know we've all been in this boat and i'm going to speak from personal you know experience for just a moment but being in this lifestyle it is very very easy to get caught up in the ogre of overtime right that overtime Ooh. cycle that vicious cycle where yeah. your your leo is working tons of overtime and, then and you making, somehow don't get those bills yeah, paid okay. yeah you're 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 starting to live beyond your means you buy a few toys but the bills are racking up and fights. the bank account isn't really moving yeah, and the fights that come from the that fights oh, the stress that this brings and i don't know about you i was not skilled in having any kind of financial conversations i didn't no. have the nerve to open up those hard conversations. Uh -huh. And so things came out, you know, muddled and yep. angry and stressed out. But today we have a special guest, Rebecca, and she has experienced this herself with her own Leo. And she has actually had these tough conversations. She started her own business to educate and coach wow. first responders to help them with their finances wow, and awesome. gain control of their money um, so that they have more control of their life and, and a better quality of life, too. Sure. So if you would, let's get started and let's welcome Rebecca. Hi, Rebecca. Hi. Hi, ladies. I'm so excited to be here. And we are so excited to have you. I mean, I'm this topic, I think, is just going to strike a nerve with everybody who hears it. Absolutely. And so I'm very grateful for you for being here today. Um, so, Rebecca, just give us a little bit of background about yourself. Um, let us know um, your story, your, your family makeup, and, and how you got started. Yeah, so I am married to a sheriff deputy. And we've been together for seven years, uh, married for five. We actually started dating the night before he graduated from the academy. So <laughs> I've been with him from the very beginning. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so now we have we have two little girls. We have an 18-month-old and a four-year-old. And I just recently left my W-2 job to do this financial coaching full-time. And so... It's oh, been yeah. such an amazing transition. Um, I was in the public sector for 15 years, and I finally mm -hmm. made the switch to working for myself. So it's been it's been a fun journey. Oh wow! I bet. Awesome. Yeah. Kudos to you yeah. for doing that. So so tell us a little bit about your life in the first responder world, and and can you share the impact that your husband's um, police career had on you and your family? 
Oh, yeah. So um, I, I think even just the last few years has been probably the most challenging, mostly because we became parents. And um, for the past two years, uh, my husband's been on a graveyard shift. And so it's been essentially me holding down the household uh, while he is working. And then, um, you know, like you had touched on in the beginning is, uh, you know, all that overtime, that that lovely, lovely overtime <laughs> that is either, you know, mandatory or, you know, is there for the taking, um, especially nowadays with, you know, the such staffing shortages across yeah. the country. I mean, there's no shortage in overtime. And Right. And we actually, what started this whole journey is, is that we found ourselves relying on that overtime. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I was, I was six months pregnant with our youngest and we realized that, I, you know, I would like to have a spouse and a partner to raise our <laughs> children with and instead of him being at work all the time. And so we had to make some, some decisions when it came to our money. Yeah. What did those decisions look like? How did you address those challenges? Oh, it was, it, I, I love telling you the story because it's, it's so not relaxing or romantic, but um, <laughs> we were actually, we were, we were on vacation. <laughs> we're, we're supposed to be relaxing on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and so, well, we had, we had an eight hour drive uh, with the two little ones. And so fortunately they, we did it. Uh, we left late so we were driving through the night and so they were sleeping most of the time but that meant you know open road for him and i to really kind of have some conversations which actually i think worked pretty well because we didn't have to like look at each other you know what i mean <laughs> like I mean, we could have these conversations with this. <laughs> you had him locked in the car um, but... he couldn't go anywhere <laughs> he couldn't <Yeah>. run away <laughs> exactly. smart you have no choice <laughs> But so we, we, like I said, we had eight hours to have these conversations and, and we had already kind of started, you know, um, dipping our toe into the, the, the pond, so to speak beforehand, but this allowed us to really kind of dig deep and, and kind of talk about what we wanted for our family and, and what we wanted our life to look like. And so by the time we got up, we, um, up to the beach house where we were going, um, I spent the next two days. Um, basically like outlining all of our debts and and analyzing our bank statements to see where all of our money was going because at that point we had no idea where all our money was going we just uh -huh. knew we made it and it's not in our bank account like how did you go from it that is. conversation to the next step yeah so it um it took us so we started out because we had no idea where to start uh yeah. we just knew that we had to make some steps and so uh, we uh, we jumped onto the Dave Ramsey bandwagon. Okay. And um, I loved it at first because it gave us structure when right. we didn't have structure. And so the baby steps were very easy to follow. We had very clear cut rules. And so we we're like, okay, well, we're just going to give this a try. And about three months in, I would say, uh, we started to realize that in line with the first responder lifestyle, and, and now I will preface this by saying that there are many law enforcement officers who have done the Dave Ramsey program and they've mm -hmm. been mm -hmm. successful. So mm -hmm. yeah. this is not an across the board statement, but just for us, we didn't want to restrict ourselves. Um, you know, my husband and I at the time, I was working full time as well, um, you know, works, we worked hard for our money and we want to be able to enjoy it guilt free, but we also wanted to be responsible with it as well. 
And so I wanted to find a way to find, to make that balance of, you know, being responsible with our money, but also enjoying it in the moment as well. It works for some people. And like I said, it worked for us in the beginning. It gave us that foundation that we needed, but I knew that, that there was more to managing our money than just focusing on the numbers. Mm -hmm. uh, we had to really get to the root of like our mindset around money and how we viewed money because, and what I've learned through my journey and just, um, you know, the different books that I've read and the different courses that I've taken is that all of us carry with us money beliefs that we learned in the house as oh, yes. a young child. Yep. And how did and, you, oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, how did you um, tease those out? You know, it became pretty obvious. Like once I, I realized that, because I, I like to think that I am a self-aware person most of the time, right? <laughs> I have my moments. Um, <laughs> but most of the time, I'm pretty self-aware. And so once I read that, I started thinking about and like looking back on my childhood and and how I, I heard, you know, money talked about in my home and then versus how I thought about or managed my own money. And I remember, I don't remember too many money conversations in my household growing up, but I do remember when money was tight. Um, not because I felt it, but because my, my parents would make sure to let us know like, hey, just FYI, things are tight right now. And it usually happened like around Christmas time where it would be like, oh, it's gonna be a light Christmas this year, so things are tight, yeah. you know? And, and so I, I realized, you know, looking back and like how I viewed money um, you know, before going through all of this is, is that I saw money as something that that's finite and it's either there or it's not. Hmm. And, and so that's kind of how I spent my money. It's like, when you have your money, you spend it. And then, so it's there and then it's not there. Oh. <laughs> and did he have, and, uh, did that make you realize like how different or similar you were with him? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so he, um, so he had a very, not very different. Well, I guess, yeah, he did have a very different upbringing than I did. So, uh, my family, I would have considered us like, um, lower to middle, like middle class, okay. um, um, kind of more of like at the, the bottom half of, of middle class. Okay. And, um, but my husband grew up poor. Um, my husband mm -hmm. grew up, um, he had, had, he remembers times where, you know, they didn't even have running water. And so, um, and so he definitely has a different yeah. view of money. I think he appreciated money a little bit more than I did. Mm -hmm. um, he um, understood that and, and was very proud of the position that he was in because he was making, he's making more money now than his parents ever could have dreamed when he was a kid. And, and so it's, it's definitely, it, but he also has that, mentality of like I'm not afraid to be poor either whereas I'm like oh I am uh, <laughs> like I'm no. afraid to be poor right <laughs> you know that's, that's and, interesting and so, I would think he would be like I don't want to ever be poor again but well and he doesn't um he definitely doesn't but I think he's not scared of it from though. his perspective he's not scared yeah, of it so well, I think if you're secure things, you're scared right what's that if like you grew up secure in money it's almost yeah. scary when you don't think you have it or it's mm -hmm. not finite. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I guess we don't yep. talk about that. No. Because mm -hmm. I think the norm is, you know, the poor person, 
does everything to always have money and the person that has it mm-hmm. takes advantage of it or doesn't see it as like, you know, as important. But I think it, you just told us it can be anything. Yeah. And so yeah, and, and, and really what it is, is it's when it comes to experiencing challenges with money, it's not a numbers problem. And most of us think it's a numbers problem. Most of us think if I just made more money, then my money problems would go away. (laughs) And when really the money problems just follow us, the more money that we make. So we're we're looking at the wrong area when it comes to, to how to manage our money and how to change our habits around money. So that's gonna segue into, tell us how you, one, got into finance, but two, what prompted you to start this business? How and why you got into your um, coaching business? And and I'm gonna, your business is called Priority One Financial Coaching. So I, it was about six months into our journey, and well, probably a little bit earlier than that. Um, but I at that time I didn't realize financial coaching was a thing. I just knew that I had learned so much about our personal finances and like within the first three to four months, we, you know, we weren't out of debt, but we had such a handle on it. And we felt a sense of peace and a sense of control over our life that we hadn't felt before. And I knew that I wanted to help other uh, families with this. And and at that time, I didn't know if I was going to, you know, if I was going to, um, you know, work specifically with law enforcement. I, I just knew I just wanted to help people. And so I kind of started, I started talking to my husband about it. And I was like, I don't even know like where to begin. Like what, like what even is this? I'd never heard of financial coaching before. Hmm. And until I realized that Dave Ramsey had a financial coaching uh, program of his own. And so I started looking into his and I, I knew in my gut that that wasn't the route that I w- was going to go because I, I wasn't following his program. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not going to preach something that I myself mm-hmm. am not following. Gotcha. Um, but from there, I was able to do a little bit of research and see, you know, what else is out there? You know, I'm sure Dave Ramsey's not the only person who, you know, has um, or promotes financial coaching. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, I found quite a few um, people who have been very successful with, with, their financial coaching business and uh, one lady in particular uh, Kelsey Dickey she has a um, she's the, um, the owner of uh, and founder of uh, Fiscal Fitness Phoenix and she has a financial coach academy that she created um, and so I went through her financial coach academy and um, you know and in the meantime had already started my business um, so I officially launched my business i think six months into our journey and by launching i mean i was like posting on instagram (laughs) it wasn't anything like i was just like let's start talking about this and see if people buy in even just putting um, it out there is a big step and being intentional and saying i do this is kind of a big statement so kudos oh my gosh that was this that was the scariest I was going to, I think I've ever had on social media. (laughs) Well, yeah. And I was going to actually ask you, like you skipped an important step here that I think I want to know. And that is when you decided that you're going to leave your, you know, your full time nine to five, you know, uh, business or career to launch this potential, um, 
and you have these differences with your spouse, like how did you even bring up that conversation um, to get that support to even make the decision to see, can I do this? I mean, was it hard for you? Um, you know, it kind of naturally evolved to that. So, cause I didn't actually leave my full-time job until, um, I was about a year and a half into, um, my financial coaching business. So I was doing my full-time job and then, uh, finding time <laughs> by finding time. I meant we paid for time because we had got, we had gotten our finances on track to the point where. I could hire a nanny to come and help me a few yeah. nights a week. Wow. And so I was able to dedicate a few nights a week to, um, for, to managing my business. And so it was challenging and, um, exhausting, but, um, I once as, as things started to move along and we got more and more comfortable with our finances and we got to the point where we had paid off our, our debt, um, my husband was like, so when are you leaving your job? <laughs> because, and for him, what it was, it wasn't so much, he wasn't as concerned about the money at that point because we had done so much late work right. to get our finances to a healthy place. Um, his focus at that point was like, I'm working graveyard. You're working, you know, we're working opposite schedules and I'm managing a business. So even when he was home, like there were times where I would be distracted or, you know, oh, hey, babe, can you watch the kids? I need to go, you know, work a little bit on my business. And so we weren't getting as much time together. And so he was like, he was kind of like, if you leave your job, that means that you'll be home when I wake up. So then we get more time together, basically. And so uh, we had we had projected that I actually wasn't going to leave my job until um, June, uh, June 30th of this year. Um, and I actually left my W-2 job at the end of February this year. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah, I mean, but I heard two things in there. I heard before you even did anything, you actually practiced what you were going to try to preach, right, as you were learning, to get your finances mm -hmm. in order, to then afford a nanny, which gave you a little bit of balance to actually manage both and really see if you can launch this. And then when you left, you kind of knew, like you said, it was time like that's a lot of not just hard work, but it's almost like you set those goals and you were practicing them. And I think for somebody listening, like you lived what you're hoping others can get from, you, you know, your financial coaching. Yeah. It's a lot different than mm -hmm. people that just kind of say, oh, I like finance. I'm going to start a business. And here we go. You actually can, you've walked the walk, as they say. Or never struggled, you know. Yeah. They were fortunate enough not to have to struggle with right. some of these yeah issues. So mm -hmm. what have you learned, Rebecca? Because I know I want to know, <laughs> especially with first uh, responders. I mean, that's a whole mm -hmm. nother side conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the, the biggest thing when it comes to money, and it's, it's going to sound like such a, like a woo woo type <laughs> answer, but it's, it's literally not about the numbers it's about your mindset and it's about um, how you, how, how you live your own life. And so if we are not living our life in line with what our priorities are and in line with what our goals are, uh, then our finances are never going to be on track. Wow. You are so right. Absolutely. I want to kind of go back just a step. Um, a couple of minutes ago, you made the comment about, 
financial issues are not about the money. The money's not the problem. Um, meaning, you know, you can keep making more money and throw more money at it, and it's not going to resolve the issues. Mm-hmm. What have you found to be the root issue or the root cause to financial issues? Is it, we are not clear on how we want to live our life, and we're too focused on how other people are living their lives and trying to uh, replicate that or try to keep up with that, you know, the whole keeping up with the Joneses. You know, in case in point, I have my, um, I have a business partner that I'm working on a side project with. Um, it's a workshop for first responder couples. And uh, we just had a conversation today and, and she's actually an EMT. Oh. And so she, she told me that anytime that she has new trainees, she tells them, you better not go out and buy a car with that first paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. And every single one of them, you know, yeah. within the next week or the next month, she's like, they have a brand new car sitting there in the parking lot. And I'm like, I'm telling you, you're going to regret this. And then a year down the line, they're talking about how burnt out they are. And she says, hey, you need to take time off because time off is going to give you time to decompress. It allows you to mm-hmm. you know, process what you're experiencing on the job. And the response is always like, I can't afford to take the time off. So how can someone identify their root cause? Because everybody's going to have their own version of it. You know, as we grow up, we had different models, role models of, of money um, handling. And how does one gain that insight? I mean, is there like, you know, a five question quiz yeah. that we need to take yeah. or, or how do we, <laughs> how do we get to that point? That. We start. <laughs> really put you in a magazine. <laughs> I do. You know, I'm going to write that down. I'm going to like come up with a five point quiz. That gives <laughs> I wish true. it were that easy. I wish it were that easy. It's, it, it, it is literally, you have to reach that tipping point in your life where you say to yourself enough is enough. Is like, I'm tired of the way I've been doing it. And now I want to try something different. And, and, and that was what happened with my husband and I is, is kind of the final straw for us. And, and this is the, the last purchase that we made in a string of like, I, I kid you not, we blew almost $20,000 in the span of two months um, for, yeah, it, it was bad. It was pretty bad. Um, but we had signed a three-year contract for, um, season ticket for a soccer team and for a major league soccer team. And we, um, they were front row box seat tickets. (laughs) Really nice. nice. And, um, you know, after we signed on that dotted line and probably about a week later, we kind of started feeling the weight of that decision because now our, our basis for getting the tickets were that my husband could work overtime. And we realized that now he has to work overtime for the next three years. And, and it was, it was, it was a mistake that now I look at as the biggest blessing in our life because Mm -hmm. it led us down this journey um, to the point now where we're, we're talking about, we're, we're up for our renewal and we're like, do we renew? <laughs> but, um, like, and now it just feels very nostalgic and like, but, um, uh, but it was, it was that tipping point that 
where we said enough is enough. We need to change what we're doing because what we were what we are doing currently is no longer sustainable for us, and it's going to set us up to fail. Can I ask? Because you kind of hit on this two or three times, and you just said it right now. So you had these really good conversations, but how did you have this conversation without a fight or without like did he have to be or he or she? had to be feeling the same pressure and you've, you bounce off that to have that conversation or did it just, you know, did you find some magic? Because I think getting to the table to have that conversation is probably one of the hardest things I hear Mm -hmm. from first responder families when one has a mission to, we're going to get our finances in order. How did you even approach? Did you feel like you needed to prep, excuse me, prep or pre-plan to even have this finance conversation with him yes yes Um, especially because especially because we were on opposite schedules and so already the way we experienced the day is opposite from each other and and so it wasn't one of those things where it's like he's walking in the door at 6 30 in the morning when I'm just waking up like we're not going to have the conversation then, you know, if, if he even yeah. tried to approach the conversation, then I'd be like, you need to shut your mouth because I haven't even had my coffee. Yet. <laughs> and then likewise, I, you know, I can't spring it on him, you know, right when he's waking up or right before he leaves for shift in the evening. And so we had to be very strategic about when we had these conversations because we didn't have a lot of time together. And so one thing that, that we decided to do is that we would schedule conversations. Mm-hmm. And this, this served for a couple of different things. One, neither one of us ever felt blindsided about the conversation. We knew the conversation mm-hmm. was, was going to happen. Okay. And so it wasn't like an ambush. It was just, okay, this is on the calendar. We're going to get, you know, and, you know, oftentimes it would be accompanied with some kind of cocktail or something, to kind of, <laughs> you know, like ease the tension, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, you said it, not me, but that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, and, and, and two, it, we had to then also take responsibility for what we were bringing to the table. And, and so, you know, for, for example, is um, if, if we wanted to talk about how much money we were spending on eating out, which at that time was, I mean, it was, we were in mid pandemic at that time. And so, you know, Uber Eats and DoorDash and all of that, like our eating out bill, when I calculated it was, was about a thousand dollars a month. That didn't even include groceries. And, and so it was, we both had to take a look at ourselves because again, we're on opposite schedules. So we are equally responsible for this because Mm -hmm. I'm using it as a, as a convenience. So I don't have to cook dinner for one person because I had two little ones that, you know, didn't really eat anything. And then him, you know, while he's on shift and, and so we had to take equal responsibility. And then we decided that we would each come to the table with, you know, one or two solutions to help. Nice. And so we were, e- nice. we each had equal stake in it. I like that. Uh, okay. So I just want to kind of reiterate that. So the components of a financial conversation, you're saying schedule it. Number one, you have to have a strategy. Mm-hmm. 
Number two, you have to identify what you're going to talk about and come to the table with the topic and a resolution, and a solution, mm-hmm. and yeah. be in the proper mood for it. Yeah. It's, and then realize it's not an attack yeah. or right. an ambush. Exactly. And, and, and also, your choice of words matter. And so by that, I mean, I mean, not using you statements like, <laughs> well, you're going through the drive through during your shift when I made you lunch. Right. right. Like that's not going to be helpful. Right. He's obviously or he or she or the law enforcement officer is going to feel, you know, defensive. We're, learning, gonna, we're, yeah. we're looking left and high. <laughs> You know, I think I mean, we've all said like, that. Like, you just peer over our microphones like, yeah. oh, that was me. <laughs> like, I'm not lying. Um, I remember saying something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so way to call us out. Thank you. Because I don't think anybody calls us. Nobody recognizes that, that you have to treat it like every other, like emotional conversation. Yeah. But, we, but yeah. finances doesn't have an emotion. But why do we make it emotional? But you just made it operational. Because you have a set mm-hmm. of... Yeah. guidelines right. that yeah. you just shared with us. But, okay, so why is money such a taboo topic? Yeah. yeah, that's that is a great great question. And it's because of the emotions that we attach to it. Mm. And you know, and and I think about this question a lot because I am trying to break the stigma of of you know, money being a taboo topic. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is because people just don't really talk about it. And so automatically, we think that that we shouldn't talk about it because nobody else is talking about it. And then two, anytime that we do hear somebody talking about it, they're either bashing people who are in debt or don't manage their money effectively, which um, hello is a majority of Americans, (laughs) for one, Um, or, or two, we're again going back to we are comparing ourselves to how we think other people are living based on what we see and we are attributing what we see of them as their success when in reality they're probably most likely just as much in debt as you are if not more and so we all like we create our own stories around money and internal stories and internal dialogue about money. And we think that that internal dialogue is truth. Yeah. But Rebecca, you broke it down. I have heard other first responder families do a version of the meeting, right? (laughs) Trying to schedule it, maybe trying to at least address, like, we're going to talk about this. But I don't know in the amount of experience that I even do, not only with my own first responder, but the many that I come across, I don't know if whoever's going to take lead, like in this case you were, actually stopped and said, wait a minute, what is money to me? What are my triggers? What, are, what am I afraid of? And my spouse, before coming to the table, so each recognizes when they're using those choice words or they're trying yeah. to be delicate, mm-hmm. yeah. like empowering and validating the person along the way each other. Do you think if you hadn't figured out prior to, you know, with no negative attachments what money was before you had that meeting and you started those conversations do you think you could have gone differently oh 100 percent. because if we don't understand our own personal relationship with money we're not going to be able to recognize somebody else's relationship with money oh, 
And so it's going to be, it's going to be so much easier for us to say the wrong thing at the wrong time and trigger a fight based on our word choice, because we're not actually thinking about the emotions that are attached to this conversation topic. Oh, I got another question that might test you because I don't even know what to say to that one. We have to sit with it. Do you think shift work and the presence of overtime has anything to do with why those fields of careers and those families in those in that lifestyle struggle so much with money? Not just the conversations, but the more you make, the more you spend. The more you spend, the more you just are away from home and that cycle continues. Do you think that has anything to do with it? The accessibility to make more in your career? Yes, because most of us go through life thinking that if I make more, it's going to change my situation. And that's not the case. And it really what it boils down to, especially when it comes to first responders, uh, because the trauma and stressors that are experienced on the job need an outlet and oftentimes that outlet is spending the money that is made working those those shifts and working that overtime dopamine release it's addictive Mm -hmm. it's like gaming it's like drinking it's a coping um Mm -hmm. that's interesting because i will say like Mm -hmm. that makes that makes sense when you say that but the ability to go oh my god i never thought that i went into a career that Whenever, if I'm one of those people that it's like, oh, money will always be there. And Mm -hmm. I go into a career that I know over time is always an option. How am I going to be more responsible with my money and be more willing to, you know, have that conversation and, and be told, you know, that we should spend like this and write it out and do all this. When in my head, I'm like, look, I can pick it up at any time, but I don't realize what that's doing Mm -hmm. to my personal life because now I'm away from the family, not doing those, you know, um, connecting things, those attachment things, those hobbies, those positive things to kind of balance my life when my career is so traumatic. But instead, I'm just going to keep adding more of the negative and the more, you know, being away from home. That makes sense, unfortunately, not in a good way, but it makes Mm -hmm. sense where you're kind of in this rut. And so how do you handle when your business, when you do come across these first responder families and, um, you know, you have these, uh, how do you encourage people to get started on a conversation and how do you navigate those lovely first responder personalities <laughs> along with the, the, the significant other spouse that, you know, is coming from a different perspective? Yeah. And so, you know, fortunately, like you said earlier is, is my whole program is based on my, my direct experience with, you know, my husband's and my journey. And so I've had these conversations, my husband and I have had these conversations. And so, but the thing is, is my job as a coach is not necessarily to impose my own experiences onto my clients. Right. Mm -hmm. And so while I have a framework and I have a baseline and I have benchmarks of where you know what I want to accomplish with my clients my goal is to is to really sit back and get inquisitive and ask meaningful questions so that they arrive 
at their own solutions for themselves because that's the only way that they will be successful with this type of program is in, in, in anything. If the only time that we are successful with things in our own life are the things that we put forth effort in and the things that we take the time to really understand and educate ourselves. And the only way to do that is when you're having a coach or an educator, you know, sitting there working you through all these steps is, is I have to be able to ask the right questions. So then they in turn know the answers to the questions that they have <laughs> inside their head all along. Yeah. <laughs> Just bringing it forward. So Mm-hmm. With these strategies, do you, I kind of want to piggyback off of the, you know, the Leo works off duty, the extra overtime, they start spending, they're getting that dopamine hit. That's got to make it near impossible to not only build a budget, but to stick to one. Mm-hmm. How do you incorporate that in your coaching program? Like, how do you teach them to, to build that budget? Yeah, that's, that's great, great question. And that's the the foundation of my very first um, coaching session with any client, um, which I call the discovery session. And that's basically where we take um, their current financial situation and we plug it into a, a spending plan and we figure out, okay, what are your goals? What do you want your life to look like? And then now we need to make sure that your spending plan is in line with those goals and priorities. But first things first is I want to, especially if it's a situation where overtime is being relied upon to make ends meet, is to start the transition to get out of that. Mm -hmm. And the first step in doing that is, is we will identify our, the, the expenses based on um, three different categories. And so the first category are your fixed expenses. And so fixed expenses are going to be like your basic necessities, um, what you need as a human to survive. So it'll be your housing, your transportation, your food, utilities. Um, I I throw childcare in there because obviously that's a huge expense. And so it needs to be, and then if there's any debt, right? Because the debt we have to take care of, that's a fixed expense until it's gone. And, and so the goal is that your fixed expenses are covered by your base pay. And, and so from there, any excess can be used as discretionary funds. Now, ideally, ideally also with your, with your base pay, is you want to have some margin there between your your fixed expenses and have enough left over to start putting into savings. Wow. So that's that's the ultimate goal. And then anything left, whether you want to work overtime or you have to work overtime, um, anything that's overtime wise is basically just there to elevate your lifestyle. And those are going to be the expenses that you can easily get rid of if the overtime goes away. You know, if you get injured on the job. Um, mm-hmm. If for whatever reason, the department has to cut back on overtime, which right now that doesn't look like anybody's going to be doing that with the, <laughs> with the shortages of, of cops out there, but, or, you know, heaven forbid, if there's a line of duty death and the, 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 the 
um, surviving spouse now has to, can easily identify what are those expenses that they can get rid of to help keep the family afloat until they figure out what the next step is. That's awesome. Yeah. So I have to ask, because you've obviously been doing this for a little while. Has anything surprised you? I mean, I'm sure you have some success stories because obviously you wouldn't be doing this if you didn't. And even just listening to you today, I'm walking away with stuff. Yeah. But do you are, have you been shocked or surprised that when maybe somebody comes to, they reach their goals, they realize they don't have to work overtime anymore. Like, has there been some unique things working with first responders and especially the family that has either, you know, rocked your world, like, oh, I got to learn this now and figure this out, or honestly, success, you know, where you're like, oh, wow, look, like this couple actually, you know, is, is now learned a new way to communicate. I mean, I see you a little bit like a therapist sometimes in there, <laughs> where you might build some bridges through this conversation for some folks to realize, like, you can have tough conversations if you do it respectfully and, and you know, with the, the accountable intent. Um, oh, absolutely. Yes. And I, I, I do get treated like a therapist occasionally, <laughs> you know, there's sometimes where, where I'm like, I'm like, I don't know if I needed to know that story, but okay, thank you for the anecdote. But, um, but yeah, so for me, the next level of elevating my education so I can further help my clients as they kind of essentially, you know, like graduate through, through this program is, um, is investing, you know, oftentimes that's, the goal is to get to a point where you the client is so comfortable with their money that they're like okay like okay now i have money just sitting here like what do i do with it now how do i invest and and that's a little bit challenging for me just because i'm not an advisor i cannot give investment advice but i can educate on the different types of investment options that are out there. And so that's like my, this, what I'm working on right now is really kind of educating myself on the different types of, you know, investment strategies. And, um, and so that way I can at least say, Hey, you know, these are some options. Um, if you're not comfortable pursuing this on your own, then, you know, here's, I can refer you to a financial advisor that can help guide you on this next leg of your journey. Um, you know, or, you know, oftentimes I, I encourage, even if they do decide to go to a financial advisor, I encourage my clients to educate themselves as much as possible on investing because even with advisors, there's fees attached to it. And you would be surprised at how astronomical even a 1% uh, fee is from an advisor over the course of your yeah. investment portfolio, Absolutely. Um, depending on how much you're putting in there, like it's hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's true. And unfortunately, um, some people, we get a lot of investment, you know, for retirement and all that. That doesn't mean they mm-hmm. listen, but sometimes by the time they invest, it's later in their career. But I think your bigger picture here for you is it's the day-to-day budgeting and living and goal setting to get to those big, you know, uh, moments in life, you know, like what does retirement look like? What does the next couple of years look like? What is having a child and adding that expense? Uh, it sounds like you're, you're breaking it down into those pieces as well, because, um, sometimes it's too late, you know, the damage mm-hmm. has been done. It's been years and you're only, I mean, you're five years into your marriage and you've realized this with your first responder 
and young children. Mm -hmm. So imagine what your life's going to look like, you know, as a family and how balanced it can be if this piece alone is taken care of, where I can tell you there's a ton of first responders out there where they're at their 20, 22, 23 years in and starting to realize that they're close to retirement before they even start having real conversations. And by then there's a lot of emotional uh, attached over the years. Mm -hmm. So I I think that's wonderful that you're able to share this now. So I'm curious with the start of your, your coaching business, have you like accumulated any data that, that shows a, some stats or some percentages of, of folks that are having financial issues? Uh, not, yeah, I'm still working on compiling that data. And um, I actually, what's, um, what's really exciting is I am starting to, I'm working on adding another element of my, uh, my program that's going to help me kind of collect this data on a wider scale. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, there is, um, I'm not going to give too, too much information away, but there is a, um, a state here <laughs> in this country that has given a um, grants to police departments across the state to build officer wellness programs. And so mm-hmm. I am working on contracting with departments directly under the umbrella of their officer wellness program to awesome. provide this um this as a benefit to their law enforcement officers and um which i'm super excited about because that's going to give me um, a lot more access to like hard statistical data on a wider scale that's awesome Um, so that's yeah so i'm super excited about yeah i i'm financial health is mental health you know is mental wellness so that that will be awesome for you so um Looking back, is there anything that you would have done differently? Hmm. That's a good question. I'm pretty proud of the, the route that I've taken. Um, I think that it's hard to say, like, ideally, I would say, yeah, I would have left my W2 job a lot sooner. But, <laughs> but there was strategically, there is a reason why I stayed for as long as I did. Um, but I, I think that I wish I would have started to do outreach to law enforcement departments a lot sooner because I've been relying solely on like social media mm-hmm. to kind of get my message out and, and mostly Instagram. And I realized that, that that's not necessarily the easiest place or the best place to get in front of the law enforcement officers themselves. I think now it's starting to get a little bit more that way, but two is, I am, I'm a spouse. I'm not a law enforcement officer. And so mm-hmm. that just being a spouse of a law enforcement officer doesn't give me that automatic credibility, right. right? I don't know firsthand what is experienced on a day-to-day basis. And so it, I, I wish I would have started to get like in front of and in person 
with law enforcement officers earlier on mm -hmm. because I think I'd be at a completely different level right now. Yeah, interesting. And if you could give a first responder or their family member any advice, what would that be? Even if you don't think that you need help with your money, start taking a look at it anyways. Because oftentimes we think that, um, you know, especially when we compare ourselves to other people, it's like, oh, I'm doing, I'm doing fine. You know, I, I'm, we're able to take vacations every year. You know, we can go out to eat and, 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 um, you know, my wife and I, we go on date nights and, you know, our, our kids are able to do all of their sports activities. So that's great. If you can manage that in your, your day-to-day -day life right now, that's awesome. But there's so much more to your financial picture than what you're you're doing today yeah there's you know yeah because there's there's planning for the unknown right the emergencies mm -hmm. there's you know what you know life insurance is a whole other financial topic that <laughs> is you know not talked about enough for law enforcement and you know case in point i you know me being a, a naive um, spouse early on, I assumed my husband had life insurance through his department. And it wasn't until we started going through this that I realized he didn't. Well, mm -hmm. he did. It was, it's minimal, like mm -hmm. minimal, doesn't even, wouldn't even cover, you know, funeral expenses. And so for the first three years of him being a law enforcement officer, he didn't have life insurance. Wow. And wow. I can't even imagine what would have happened. You know, and so there's there's so many aspects to your finances. It's not just about whether or not you feel comfortable day to day. Um, there's a whole like lifelong plan that you should have in place. You are right. um, so that way you can feel comfortable day to day for the rest of your life. <laughs> Absolutely. You in the beginning of the conversation, you had said that you had started reading books and and doing some online things and and what books did you find were um, beneficial to you that would be helpful to others? Oh, gosh, I'm, I'm gonna have to look back here on my bookshelf. One of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite books that really changed the way I thought about money, um, One Rich Dad, Poor Dad um, by Robert Kiyosaki. Mm -hmm. It, it's a not a difficult read but it's a long read there's a lot to it so i first listened to it on audiobook and it's super easy to listen to it on it's engaging like it at least for me like i was like i kind of like hung on his every word so to speak um and then i did read it because because i do feel like i retain information better when i'm actually reading um but it took me a lot longer to get through the the book when i was reading it but um so Rich Dad, Poor Dad, a good one that is, that is, um, it's anecdotal and it's an easy, quick read and it's entertaining, um, but it kind of gives you an insight into the mindset that we should have around money. And it's called um, The Instant Millionaire by Mark Fisher. 
and that's an easy read. It's, um, I want to say it's like 90 pages, maybe a hundred pages. So it's, it's a really easy read, but it's, and it's again, anecdotal. So it's, it's a story, mm-hmm. a fictional story. Um, and then one that, because when it comes to money too, is it comes down to discipline. Um, you know, when, when we are trying to train ourselves out of bad habit, um, we have to be disciplined. And, and so one thing that, um, has helped me is basically taking control of my schedule. And so, um, the miracle morning by Hal Hal Elrod really kind of helped me like learn how to set my intentions for the day and set my goals for the day and start my day off productive. So that way with the idea that you carry that, you know, through the rest of your day, so you can be intentional for the rest of your day. Nice. Hmm. Thank you. Well, okay. So here's the big question. How can people reach out to you and find information on your business? Yeah. So I am most active on Instagram at blue line money coach. And you can also um, check out my resources on my website. I do have a free bulletproof budget workbook. Um, It's a 16 page workbook that basically kind of takes you through um, how to set up a budget and um, gives you some tips on how to save. Um, And that's priority1fc.com. And then you can always email me at um, Rebecca at priority1fc.com. Well, thank you. Rebecca, we learned so much from you today. What a great conversation and so much information. Thank you so much for sharing not only your story and your experiences, um, but your, your expertise of what you're learning. And thank you for paying it forward really um and being there to help our first responders it's really appreciated absolutely thank you so much for having me on i enjoyed speaking with all of you thanks for riding along with us today we hope our perspectives from the passenger seat helped you gain some insights to navigate the leo lifestyle for additional information and resources visit us on instagram at ride along chronicles follow like and comment for more also If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, hit the subscribe button. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions about this episode or suggestions for future topics, leave a comment or send a confidential email. See you on the next ride.